0: Well, thanks, guys. And before we get started, Drew, your granddad wants to see you down here when it's over. Okay? Grandpa Crawford needs you. Alright? By the way, I gotta tell you something about John. <clears throat> Recently, John and Helen and I had the opportunity with Mike Story to go up to St. Louis to do a discipleship conference in a church. And one thing I appreciate about John is just his open and honesty. And uh, John was sharing some of the, in one of the messages about balance. And he said, you know, I just have to admit to you that I've really made some mistakes in that area. And uh, we were all very, very intently listening to see what John would share about how he'd gotten over, Off balance. And he said, you know, I realize that my duck hunting just got to be too big a deal. And I just did not have the balance. So he said, I started goose hunting. So if you have a problem with balance, talk to John. He knows how to handle it. Now, men, tonight we have a very clear assignment. When Jesus was on this earth... When he began his ministry, he walked along to a group of men and they had already watched his ministry for some time and he walks along and he sees some guys cleaning their nets and he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And he goes on a little further and he picks up another couple of guys and then he goes to Matthew and he says basically the same thing to all of them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I love the way Mark says it. I will make you to become fishers of men. You're not fishers of men now, but I will make you to become fishers of men. Now, if you had lived on the earth when Jesus was here, and He came to you and said, Follow me, and you had left everything as those fellows did and began to follow Him, I think there are a couple of things that as you follow Jesus, you would begin to notice about His character. And that's what I want to speak to you about tonight. One of the first things I think you would notice after, certainly they were impressed, the disciples, with some of the miracles that He did and all that. But when it got down to His character, I think one of the things they noticed right away, it didn't take them long to notice how Jesus loved people. And you see this in many, many ways. You see it with children. One day they were bringing the children to him and the disciples were trying to get rid of them. And Jesus said, Don't send them away. For the kingdom of heaven is like these little children. And he touched them. And he loved the children. You see it with the lepers. In Matthew 8, lepers going along and one day they come to Jesus and say, Lord... If you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I'm willing, be cleansed. And you notice that that's recorded by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And one of them says, uh, as Matthew says, or Luke says, this man was even, he was full of leprosy. That impressed the disciples as they noticed how Jesus treated the lepers. And later, we see another situation. You know, the, the day the lady poured the alabaster box of perfume on Jesus' head, he was in the home of Simon the leper. And again and again, you see the story, a number of stories about how Jesus treated the lepers and how he loved them. One time, there were ten men that came. They were lepers, and Jesus healed them, and only one of them returned to thank him. But I'm sure the others, Jesus didn't give them back their leprosy. And he loved the lepers. You see it with the blind men. Two blind men are crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, calls them and says, What do you want me to do for you? And they said, We want to receive our sight. And he said, Be it done to you according to your faith. And they immediately received their sight. You see many, many stories in the Scriptures about how Jesus loved these people and how he, he would stop. One day He's going along and blind Bartimaeus begins to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And they kept trying to get Him to be quiet. And Jesus stopped and He calls for Him. And the men go to Him and said, Take courage, He calls for you. The scriptures say he, he jumped up and threw away his cloak and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want? What would you like for me to do for you? He said, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus gave him his sight. All through the scriptures you see so many stories about Jesus' compassion and his love for people. And here's the, the woman with the issue of blood And she said to herself, if I could just touch the fringe of his garment, I would be made well. And she touches his garment and Jesus stops. And he says, who touched me? And his disciples say, what do you mean who touched you? Look at all these people. But he knew someone had touched him. And he said to her, daughter, take courage. And he healed her. And all through the Scriptures, it's amazing the compassion of Jesus. He's walking along one day, and here comes a funeral possession, and Jesus stops it, and here's this widow of Nain, and her only son has just died, and they're taking him out to bury him. And Jesus stops that funeral possession and raises that boy from the dead. You know, you see so many, many examples of Jesus' love for people. In Luke 19.41, it says of Jerusalem. He looked out over Jerusalem and he wept over it. He wept over people. And Matthew said, he cried out and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered your children together, even as a hen gathers chickens under wings, and you would not. And Jesus was so concerned about people. Now, when you think about that, a lot of the miracles that Jesus did, He didn't heal all the lepers, but the miracles that Jesus did were great attestations as to who He was, that He was the Son of God. Now, Jesus stilled the water. He told the wind to be calm. He cursed the fig tree. But so many of the miracles that Jesus did were not on inanimate objects. They were on people. And although that showed who Jesus was, it definitely benefited the people. And Jesus had such a tremendous love for people. I guess it's summarized by John when the men came and uh, John was in prison and said, uh, Are you the one? Or do we look for someone else? Are you really the Messiah? And Jesus said, you go back and tell them what you've seen. Tell them that the blind receive the sight. Tell them that the lame walk. Tell them that the lepers are cleansed. That the deaf hear. Tell them that the dead are raised. And that the poor have the gospel preached to them. And so as a result... There's a summary here of all the marvelous things that Jesus did. And one thing it shows so very, very clearly is how Jesus loved people. Now, we've heard a great deal already about the practical, and John did such a fabulous job today about some of the practical things of disciple making. But tonight I want to talk to you about some of the attitudes that go behind the practical and if you had walked with Jesus when he was on this earth, you could not have helped but see how clearly he loved people. There's one other thing I think you would have noticed very quickly as you followed Jesus. And you'll notice it as you follow him through the pages of the New Testament now. One of those things is how much he loved his father. And the intimate relationship that he had with him. Luke records that in Luke 5.16, he withdrew himself as a habitual habit of his life. He would withdraw himself into lonely places and there pray. Luke also records in chapter 6 how he, the night before he chose the twelve, he went out and prayed all night. We see how Jesus in Mark 1.35, he got up early. A great while before day, and went out to a solitary place and there prayed. And when John was beheaded, and Jesus got that word, he immediately started to a mountain just because he wanted to be alone with his father. The crowds began to follow him. It was at that time that he fed the 5,000. Now, Jesus had a desire to go be with his father. But he stopped to meet the needs of those people. And he fed those hungry people. And then he sent them away. And Matthew records in chapter 14 how then that he was going up in along about evening. He, went, he sent the crowds away and he went up in the mountains to pray. And he had sent the disciples, put them in a boat and sent them across the Sea of Galilee. And it says then, after he went up in the mountains along about evening to pray, he came walking on the water to meet the disciples sometime between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning. And so Jesus had gone away just to be with his Father. And I think that's exactly what he had done. Again and again you see things in the Scriptures where Jesus would say, like in Matthew, in John 5.19, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself except what He sees the Father do. And what He sees the Father do, that's what He does. In John 5.30, I can do nothing of my own initiative. Jesus lived in constant communication and fellowship with His Father. He loved His Father. And when Jesus was facing the cross... In John 12, He says, "And What shall I say? Father, remove me from this hour? I mean, is that what I'm going to say when I'm facing the cross? He said, No. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify Thy name. And there came a voice from heaven that said, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And so when Jesus faced the tough times... Always what was on his mind. What is the mind of the Father? And that's what he wanted. He wanted to glorify Him. And he was in love with his Father. You notice how many times before Jesus would do something, he would give thanks to his Father. When he fed the 5,000, he thanked God. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he says, Father, I thank you that you hear me. He lived in such dependence upon His Father. And we see this so much in the Scriptures. And I think as those disciples followed Jesus, they had no doubt that He loved people and that He loved His Father. Now, one of the things that I hope will grip your life is the love that God has for us. You all know John 3.16, For God so loved the world, and the world is not the world of things. Literally that word means, For God so loved the world of people, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5.8, But God commended His love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, I'm convinced that none of these things will separate us from the love of God. Neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And God has a tremendous love for us. In 1 John 3.16 and says, Hereby we understand or we perceive the love of God that He laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, I want to talk to you about how does this relate to us as you try to disciple men. One of the things I think men most need to see in us is our love for God that we're committed to him just as Jesus was his father we will follow him anywhere we will do anything and they know that we love god you know the scriptures say in john 15:13 jesus says greater love had no man than this that he lay down his life for his friend and the very next verse he says you are my friends If you do whatever I command you. So Jesus says there's no greater love than this. And you lay down your life for someone. And that's exactly what He did. And He said now, because He laid down His life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And I wonder how many people would walk with God that are not now walking with God if we were willing to take the position Jesus took and be willing to lay down our lives for them. I know today my wife is meeting with a lady. She happened to be a Mormon background and recently someone led her to the Lord. Uh, Someone that was on a church staff. And my wife asked her, said, well, did he share with you anything about having a quiet time or anything like that? Well, no, I just accepted the Lord. And so today she's meeting with her to try to help her to learn how to walk with God. And there are people all about us You know, one of the great things about being a Christian, you know, you you not only take the people that you win to the Lord, but there are people all around you that could be adopted, that you could help to walk with God. And God wants us to lay down our lives. And Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. A new commandment I give unto you. And just as this new commandment, and He loves us, and He says, now, I want you to love others as I have loved you. I don't know about you, but that's a real challenge to me. Men, how much do we love people? I look at Paul, for example. First 1 Thessalonians 2.8, he says, Having such a fond affection for you, I was willing to have imparted you not the gospel of God only, but also our own lives because you had become so dear to us. And Paul constantly risked his life to see other people come to know Christ and to walk with Him. In Acts 14, he's going along preaching. And he's been in Antioch in Iconium and he comes to Lystra. And the Jews catch up with him there, and they take him out and stone him, and thought they'd killed him. And he gets up and he comes into that city, and he says he. The next day he goes with Barnabas to Derbe, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they came back and began to go back through all of those cities where they'd been, the very cities where they'd tried to kill him strengthening the soul of the disciples and encouraging them to walk with God and continue in their faith. And he risked his life. He was constantly risking his life just because he loved people and because he loved God and he wanted to see those people walk with him. Now, I don't know if you agonize over people In Galatians 4 and 19, Paul says, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. He was in agony to see people become Christians and he was in agony to see those people be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And there just was in his heart such a love for God and such a love for people he was willing to pay any price to see that other people walk with the Lord. You know, he said of the people in Thessalonica, First Thessalonians 3.8, For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. You know what really living for me is, Paul said? is when you stand fast in the Lord. When you grow and you mature. And you know a number of times Paul said, I'm afraid of you lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. And why would Paul say to the people in Thessalonica, he already calls them brothers, brothers, he said, the brethren, you, you are already Christians. But in 1 Thessalonians 3.1 and 3.5, he said, I'm afraid of you lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. For I'm afraid that some way the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Now these people were going to heaven when they died. How could you say when you've led people to the Lord and they're going to heaven when you die, that you had labored in vain? Paul's goal was not just to see people become Christians. His goal was to see those people grow to maturity where they could hold forth the gospel to others. And he felt like if that didn't happen, he had labored in vain. And he was willing to do anything he could possibly do to see that happen. I think many times we can follow up people but unless there's that desire, that love for them, they're going to sense that they can just be a project. And Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, For what is our hope or joy our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? He found tremendous joy in people that he loved, he cared for. He didn't just... Preach the gospel to them and move on. He did everything he could possibly do. You know, he says in Romans 9, 1-3, through 3, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And Paul loved people so much, he said, I have a continual burden in my heart. And in 2 Corinthians 6, 4, he says, Al, always sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And there was that constant, in Paul's heart, that constant concern for people. And in Romans 10, 1, he said, my, my heart's desire my prayer to God for, is for Israel that they might be saved. And it even said back in Romans 9, he was willing to be a curse from Christ for his brethren according to the flesh. He would give anything to see these people become Christians and how He loved them. You know, the last few days, if you've been listening to the news about Anna Nicole Smith and the big battle over her body, who's going to get it? And it's been on the news constantly, the battle and her mother wants it and this guy wants it and that guy and where she's going to be buried. And I just think, you know, I... I wish people were that concerned about her life while she was alive. You know, the psalmist said, if you would go forth weeping, bearing precious seeds, you'd come again bringing your sheaves with you. And you know, we face a world out there that has such, such a desperate need. And we have an answer. But we live in a world in where it's not easy to reach a lot of people. And unless there's a love for them and a constant prayer. And you know when Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, praying without ceasing. As he went about his way, just that constant concern for people. He was praying, praying, praying. Sometimes his mind was busy when it wasn't. It went back to prayer. And that's what he says, pray without ceasing. That idea of any time your mind's not engaged, that he would pray. You know, man, it's interesting. At the beginning, when Jesus first called the men, he said, follow me. And after Jesus rose from the dead, and the men had been fishing one day, and he's on the shore, and he's built this little fire. And he tells them to bring some fish, and he makes breakfast. They have breakfast together. And in John 21, beginning verse 15, it said, After breakfast, he said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And perhaps he's talking about these fish. I mean, do you love me more than this fishing business? Do you love me more than these? He said, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, then tend my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, Lord, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then shepherd my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. He said then, tend my sheep. And truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands. And someone else will gird you and take you where you do not wish to go. And this, he said, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And Peter looked around and he saw John. And you know the way John terms himself because he doesn't want to call attention and call his own name? You know what he always terms himself? The disciple whom Jesus loved. And I think John felt that way. He had such a of a realization of Jesus' love. He even called himself that. I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he was the one that leaned back on his breath at the Last Supper and said, Lord, who is the one that betrays you? And Peter says to him, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus says, if I will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And one of the last things he ever said to Peter was follow me. And that's what he had said to him at the beginning. Men, our instructions are very, very clear. We are to follow Jesus. And we're to live like Jesus. Jesus. In a book, Dallas Willard wrote a book called The Spirit of the Disciplines. I'd highly recommend it. One of the best books I've ever seen to explain the reason for discipline. And he says, you know, a little boy, and we see this all the time with sports. Here's this boy, and he's going to be like the big leaguer. He buys the same kind of bat, the same kind of shoes, and... Uh, that's his idol, this big leaguer, and you'll even see these little boys in, in little league, and they'll come up and they'll take their bats, and you know they're knocking the mud off their cleats. The only thing is, there's no mud and there're no cleats. <laughs> but they've seen their hero do that, and this little boy tries to act just like the big leaguer. But when he gets up to bat, he doesn't knock it out of the park. Why? Because he's not spent the years of training and discipline. And he can't do what the big leaguer does. And you know years ago especially the bracelets were going around all over. What would Jesus do? And a lot of people would like to act like Jesus in a particular situation. But you'll be just like the little boy, the little leaguer who won't knock the ball out of the park. Because you don't just live a certain way and then in a certain situation act like Jesus. And Dallas Willard says, but we can live like Jesus. How did Jesus live? He spent time with His Father. You can spend time with your Father. He knew the Scriptures. You can learn the Scriptures. And as you begin to live like Jesus and do the things Jesus did, you'll begin to act like Jesus. And men, that's what it's all about. Now Jesus said, you follow me. Now, Paul picked up on that. And you see that he often said that. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. And 1 Corinthians 4, 16, he said, I beseech you, be ye followers of Me. 2 Thessalonians 3.7-9 He says, You know how we made ourselves an example unto you so you would follow us. In Philippians 3.17 He talked about how He made an example and mark those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. In Philippians 4.9 Those things you've learned and received and heard and seen in Me do and the God of peace shall be with you. Now, Jesus told us to follow Him. And as we follow Him, we are to go to other men and say to those men, You follow Me like I follow Christ. Now, Paul knew he was not just like Jesus. He was a man just like you are. And so, he said, You follow Me like I follow Christ. There are areas in which I don't follow Christ very well, but you follow me like I follow Him. And as we work with men, we are to get other people around us and close enough to us and long enough around us that we they see how Jesus lived. They don't see Jesus walking around your hometown. Before a person will begin to follow Jesus, he will begin to follow you. And you don't have to worry. Some people say, well, then you're just trying to make people like you. No. Because the whole time they're with you, you're pointing them to Jesus. You don't pray to yourself. You pray to Jesus. Who do you talk about? You talk about Jesus. The Scriptures, what do they show? They show the life of Jesus. Jesus. And so in our disciple making, there are certain tools and things that help. But the men are going to know if you love them. And they're going to see that from your life. And they're going to see if you really love Jesus. And you know men, you can make a lot of mistakes with guys if those two things are still in your life. It's just like with your kids. If you love those kids... You can make some mistakes and some of them still turn out pretty well. Right, Chip? I hope so. (laughs) Working on it. The message is clear. We follow Jesus. We love Him with all our hearts just like He loved His Father. We are to love God that way. We are to love people And loving people doesn't mean that it's always easy. And I've heard the thing that you've heard. We love the world. We help many. We train a few. And that's certainly true. But when you love people, it's going to open up tremendous doors for you. And if you're around people and you love them, they're going to know it. And there are many, many ways you can find to get into the lives of people if you really love them. Men, I want to just challenge you. I hope you will follow Jesus all the days of your life. The call never changes. It was true the day He called Peter. It was true the day He left Peter. Peter, you follow me. But what about the other people? And many of you, most of us are going back, and we're going to be around a lot of people that maybe do not, followed Jesus with all their heart. Well, what is that to you? Jesus said, you follow me. And so that's our clear command. How do we follow Him? If you'd have followed Him, you'd have noticed how He loved His Father and how He loved people. And men, that is what we're to do. And as we do that, as you love people... It doesn't mean you're always easy on them. Just as you love your children, sometimes you discipline them. But if you love people, if you love people, they'll take it from you. Now, there are methods and principles you learn. and Some people go through discipleship programs and it's a 12-week program. And like Jim White calls it, Painting by numbers. Those things are very, very helpful. You do this first and this second and when a child learns to paint, he paints by numbers. and You know, he puts a green in this square and a blue in that and when he gets through, he's got something he's painted. But you know, he's not very skilled at it. And as you grow and you walk with God, you learn, you grow You memorize verses, you learn principles, you go to conferences, you do everything you can to get your toolbox loaded. And then when you love people, you find out what that person needs and then that's what you use with him. And as you do that, you're going to find you're going to have a great ministry in the lives of other people. And God's going to use you in an amazing way. Because people know if you love them. And you love God, you love people, and you're going to have a great ministry. Now let's pray together. Father, we are all so grateful tonight That you loved us enough when we were going our own separate ways. Paying no attention to what you wanted for our lives. You sent your son Jesus and he died. He said, no one takes my life from me, but I, I lay it down. And he gave his life that we could know him. And Father, we want to love you with all our hearts. Follow you all of our days. Constantly observing your life, learning from what we read in the scriptures, seeing how you treated people that were outcasts or whoever they were. You never met a person and had to decide if you were going to love him. You even said, we are to love our enemies. And you told us that we are to love other people like you loved us. And Father, I pray for my own life and for these that are here, that we would be men that would be known by our love. And when Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus and wept, and Jews, even some that probably later would try to kill him, said, Behold how he loved him. And people saw in the life of Jesus the love that he had for people. And they clearly saw how he loved the Father. And it's interesting that Jesus later said that is the sum of of the commandments. That's the sum of the Ten Commandments. It's to love God and love people. Now, Father, we want the tools. We want wisdom as to how we build into people's lives. But I pray that first of all, the attitude and the spirit behind it all would be that we love You and want to honor You and glorify You with our lives and that we love people and we're going to do everything we can to see them grow into Your likeness. Lord, bless these men. Tomorrow as they scatter and some even tonight having to go their way. I just would pray that in the days ahead, in all of our lives, there'd be a greater love for You a greater love for people, and as a result of that, a greater disciple making in our lives. Because we prayed in Jesus' name, Amen.